Good morning, uh, New Life Fellowship. It's really good to be here with you this morning. I do have the wonderful privilege of introducing our guest speaker for today. Uh, I met Pastor Justin actually back in 2009 right here at this church, and he was my pastor for a little over six months. And yet, although he was only my pastor for six months, I, I do have to say he had a tremendous impact on my life. Uh, during very critical moments of my ministry life, uh, Pastor Justin met up with me uh, and really walked me through those seasons. And one of the things I really love, and I'd just actually forgotten about Pastor Justin that I uh, saw again in his sermons uh, just this morning, I was so blessed by, uh, was his transparency and his openness to admit just all of these things that, uh, that, that he that, that he does in his life, but also that Christ is actually working out in his life as well. And so uh, I think you guys will be tremendously blessed by today's sermon, by the word that uh, will be preached to you uh, through Pastor Justin. And I'm so glad that he's here uh, just to be able to bless us. Uh, he is the lead pastor now at Bethel Grace in Irvine. He has a family of six. So it's him, his wife, Virginia. Uh, he has Tabitha, Barnabas, Maximus, and then finally, I think four months, Gloria. Gloria is four months old. Oh, my God. Pray for him now. Uh, pray for him now. Uh, but uh, let me go ahead and read our passage for today. Uh, and then afterwards, I'll invite Pastor Justin up to come and give us God's word. So if at this time, if we're able to, would you rise as we read God's word together? Uh, I'll be reading from James chapter 5, uh, verses 7 to 12. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. I'll read. I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. If you could respond with thanks be to God, I'll seat you. And then I'll have Pastor Justin come up and give us God's word. Uh, this is the reading of God's word. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. This is the word of the Lord. You can go ahead and be seated. And at this time, if we could give a big round of applause and a welcome to Pastor Justin. Well, good to see you. Um, I feel very humbled and honored to be able to bring you the word today. And uh, my time at New Life from 2009 to 2015 was very special. And uh, it's really fun and neat to see some familiar faces. Y'all look so young. <laughs> um, must be the Seattle air and the um, water. Uh, I feel like uh, it is such a joy. It, I'm just so tickled to death to be here to share the word with you. Well, without further ado, uh, I want to ask you, as we con consider James chapter 5, um, the passage that we just read together um, the book of James, just to give you a little bit of background and context, is that the book of James was written by the half-brother of Jesus. His name was James. And it was written to identify uh, whether you are really an authentic faith or not. I remember actually preaching through the series uh, during my time at New Life. 
And I had the opportunity to go deeper into it in recent days. But the, the, the whole theme is, are you a Christian? Because a lot of people profess Christ. A lot of people say, I'm a believer. But there is no fruit in their life. There's not a, a transformation in their life. Uh, so a lot of people can say, I'm a Christian. But if there's no change in your life, then I think there's a question mark that, God, that, that people might have is, are you genuinely a saved believer in Jesus Christ? Just because you go into the garage doesn't make you a car. And likewise, just because you're here, sitting here during worship on Sunday, or you're participating online, doesn't make you a Christian. You see, um, especially in the global pandemic, I feel like uh, the COVID-19 has really exposed a lot of people. I think it's really exposed to what do we really believe in? Am I really a Christian? And so James has written to help us see what a genuine Christian looks like. Looks like. A genuine Christian understands and responds appropriately to trials and temptations and hardships. It's not a question of if, but when these, te- when these times come into your life, uh, are you going to persevere and endure? Because God brings trials into our lives, not to sink our faith, but to strengthen our faith. They are patient in suffering. A genuine Christian is someone who not only hears the word of God, but is a doer of God's word. A genuine Christian is able to control the tongue. Controlling the tongue is such a, a difficult, challenging thing, I think. And so on and so forth. So we come to this passage that uh, speaks about growing in patience. And that's the, the topic of the day. What does it mean for us to be patient? And why is it relevant? Why is this important? And I think it's, you'll see in a little bit how powerful it is for us to grow in patience. And to even flesh that even more, you see, when someone gives his or her life to Jesus Christ, they begin to grow, they begin to change. We call it fruit of the Holy Spirit. The, the list of character traits is found in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience. And I think we live in a culture that does not value patience. It's almost a culture of impatience. So if you have a, a computer that comes along and can be powered up in five seconds and does what it does. And then another com- computer company brings a product to you that says, okay, my computer can power up in two seconds. That first company is in a lot of trouble. Or if a company says, I can deliver a product to you in three days, but another company comes and says, I can deliver it next day or over the next few hours, that first company is in a lot of trouble. So in a sense, even the economy cultivates and encourages impatience. And if you're like me, like a lot of people, I'm sure you hate waiting in line. I mean, I can't think of anybody that says, oh, I love going to the DMV. I love going to the DMV. No one has, for the life of me, ever said that to me because no one likes waiting in long lines. I know of some people who run up escalators uh, at the mall because he is too impatient which I think is ridiculous because the whole point is the escalator does the work for you, right? It defeats the purpose of why it's even there. And I want to acknowledge and I want to confess that I am impatient. I've been impatient in my marriage with my spouse. I've been impatient with my kids. If you've got four kids, you will be impatient. As a pastor, I've been impatient with people in my church 
because they're not doing what they ought to do. They're not growing at the pace that I want them to grow. Been impatient um, with what's happening in our country with COVID-19 and the pandemic. Just when things seem to be getting better, Delta variant comes along and, you know, and I'm so impatient. I, I'm just, I can't wait for things to go back to what it was before pre-COVID. Maybe some of you are impatient with your career, where you are in the season of life, impatient with your season of life, wherever it may be, your relationships. See, we live in a culture that doesn't value patience. And this passage tells us how we can grow and get patience, how we can grow and get gain patience. And so I've got two points for you as a good Presbyterian. Normally the standards give you three points, but I've got two points. You are blessed today. Two points, but underneath that, I got two set points for each one of those. So I tricked you. I've got six points for you to consider. But the first thing I want you to consider is what is the biblical definition of patience? Because I think you might say, well, I know what patience is, but what does the Bible have to say about this, right? What is the understanding of patience according to the word of God? And so the passage that we read basically is divided into two small parts. And the first thing I want you to consider under the definition of patience is the context of being patient when dealing with difficult people. When dealing with difficult people, and I think relevant right away because all of us have difficult people in our lives. Don't look at the person next to you, right? But, but we all have difficult people in our lives, whether it's in the classrooms, in our homes, or in our offices, in our neighborhoods. We all have hard people in our lives. You see, verses 7, 8, and 9, it's using the illustration of a farmer. Farmers show patience because why? They plant and they don't expect the harvest right away, right? They plant and then they have to learn to wait. So it's an example of patience. See, the Greek word that's specifically used in verses 7, 8, and 9 literally means long-suffering, to suffer long. An example of the opposite of long-suffering or the lack of patience is mentioned in verse 9, do not grumble against one another. Grumbling is an example of the opposite of someone who is being patient. Grumbling is a lack of patience, and so we are encouraged to not grumble. And we may not, like, you know, when we're around difficult people, we might not maybe, for to show face, we might not externally or vocally complain or, you know, grumble against that person, but you know there's a lot going on inside of us. There's grumbling, and there's all this cynicism and resentment and bitterness that just grows inside of you when you're having to deal with somebody that just it irritates you. Hard to love. When people are frustrating and disappointing to you, how do you respond? And I think a lot of us, we grumble. Grumbling is responding to people who disappoint and frustrate you with resentment, cynicism, and negativity. Why is grumbling a lack of patience? One of the reasons is because it means that you've given up on people. Instead of continuing to pursue them, to love them, and care for them, even when they frustrate you, you give up on them instead. Because in the church context, when we are called to love them and to pursue them, in every church there's hard people, it's so easy and tempting to say, forget it, I give up on you. Even in our marriages, 
When you go through a deep valley or a storm comes upon your marriage, the temptation is to give up on your marriage, on your spouse. Or when you're having a hard time dealing with your child, I've seen parents wanting to give up on their children. It's hard to believe because you're thinking, no way would I ever do that, but trust me. It's hard to be patient with even those that you love. See, it means because of the way in which a person has frustrated you or disappointed you, you give up on them, you stop caring. You're not long-suffering. You're not sticking with them. Instead, you are grumpy about them. In other words, it's a lack of love. It's a lack of love. And that's why impatience is wrong. Because as God's people, if you are a child of God this, morning, or this afternoon, you are called to love people. You know, consider the pandemic. You know, I think when the pandemic hit us, at my church at least, uh, all the introverts were so happy. You know, they were like, oh, I don't have to deal with people. I can just be in my house the whole time and I can, you know, you know get food to be delivered to me, groceries. I don't have to deal with people and, at all. And, but all the experts were going crazy, right? Until later on, I began to talk with the introverts at our church, and they were like going crazy because they realized being at home was great until they realized their family irritated them. They were saying like, my, my husband, my wife, they, they, they frustrate me, and then my kids are at, at, at home doing online schooling, and they were like, I want to get out of the house now. But to be even more serious, there was a lot of studies that came about because of the pandemic, because of the quarantine there's a lot of domestic violence that came about. A lot of frustration, a lot of resentment in family life. So when dealing with difficult people, we are called to be patient. But see, there's more. There's a second layer to impatience. The second paragraph shows us another aspect of patience. It's dealing with it's patience with difficult circumstances. So this is not talking about people and relationships, but it's about your situation, your context, your, 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 your uh, circumstances. So look at verse 10 with me. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. It's a different example that, is, that James is giving to us. He says in verse 11, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. See, Job is the example here, not the farmer. Job is a Bible character, if you know, in the Old Testament, whose problems were not so much about, you know, how he was being treated by people, although he didn't have a very supportive wife, he had some bad friends, but instead his problem was how he was being treated by life and by God. He didn't experience difficult people as much as difficult circumstances. And if you know his story, one disaster after another came upon Job. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. He lost everything. And Job is crying out to God. Job's patience in those specific verses is the word perseverance or the word that you see is steadfast, to be steadfast. So, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. That word steadfast or perseverance that's used there, it, the Greek word for patience there, it means to hyperstand. It's to hyperstand. It means to you know, stand beyond the normal position. 
The word means to be excessive or to be energetic in the way you stand. The word is hupomone. It's a very interesting word. It means to stay, to continue, to, uh, to endure in spite of the pressure that comes, in spite of the circumstances and the challenging circumstances that come into your life. It means to stay there. It might be like, you know, for the Seahawks, maybe you, you have an offensive lineman and he's got like a, a defensive lineman. He needs to stand there, hoopamone. He needs to hyperstand so that this defensive player doesn't go around him and tackle Russell Wilson, which I actually think is great because then he can move to the Washington football team, which is my team, but another message for another day. But here's the thing. You understand, it means the offensive line, they have to, they have to stand there hyperstand with energy. They can't let, no matter what the defense throws at you, you have to stand. You cannot give a single yard. Another example would be, let's say if you're in a battle and your commanding officer says to you, you stand there, right there, and occupy this position. Because no matter what the enemy throws at you, no matter how fierce the attack becomes, you cannot retreat you cannot give ground and even lose a step because if the enemy gets past you, then all is lost. The town behind you is lost. The people behind you is lost. The, the battle and the war is lost. I think about, when I think about that word, uh, the hyperstand, I think about the movie uh, Saving Private Ryan with Tom Hanks. And some of you may be familiar with that movie. And there's a lot of great examples uh, in that movie, but there's that one scene at towards the end of the movie where after uh, Tom Hanks finds finally Private Ryan and it's the Battle of Rommel and they had to occupy this one sort of bridge. It's a small group of soldiers uh, occupying that position and then they are, uh, uh, there's a big German onslaught that's coming and they had to protect that position. They could not give up that ground. You see, you have to stand there, fight, and not give in no matter what, to endure, to continue, to stay. And this is what it means to hyperstand, to hyperstand. And so to kind of relate to it all, so what James is saying, when circumstances and situations are uh, terribly disappointing, and infuriating, and life just goes wrong. Patience is to unflinchingly to live the way you ought to live in Christ. To do the things that you ought to do in Christ. To be the person that you ought to be in Christ. Because listen, I think some of us are one crisis moment away from giving up on our faith. See, when the rubber meets the road, when, when things get really tough, are you someone that forgets all the things that Christ has said to you in his word and all the things that he has done in your life? Because if you are a genuine Christian, you are growing in patience, and what you would do is that even when things are tough, you still would not compromise your faith, that you will be who God called you to be in Christ, that you wouldn't run away from community, but you would go deeper into community, that you would continually maintain intimacy with Christ. 
But I think a lot of times when things are really tough, we have this sort of proneness to compromise and to give up. And, and suddenly it's all about me, myself, and I, this persevering, self-preservation of myself. When the pandemic comes, I think a lot of people said, okay, forget about serving, forget about the church, forget about like, you know, other people. Let's just think about how we can survive through this. Instead, how can we use this opportunity to go deeper into God's word and to be that light in our streets, in our homes, or in our churches to continually be who God called us to be? I think a lot of single people, when you kind of get a little older, you start to kind of compromise. And you think, you know, it's tough now, and I, I don't want, I'm not sure if I'll ever get married. And so you stop being who God called you to be. And maybe financially it's tough, and so you stop, you know, being faithful at work, and you're starting to cut, cut, cut corners, and maybe you're cheating on your taxes, and, and you're not being full of integrity in the person that God wants you to be. You see, it's to hyperstand, to stay put, and to not give up. And so the two aspects in all of that of patience, according to the book of James, are patience with difficult people, responding to difficult people with what? Forgiveness and grace. And then patience with difficult circumstances, which we are called to respond with difficult and difficult times with courage and with trust in God. Now, let me ask you, why does the Bible make this such a big deal? Out of all the things that, that uh, Pastor Justin could have shared uh, to you, I've got one arrow in my quiver. Why would I think about this? I think the Bible makes, makes it such a big deal. Number one is this, because the Bible depicts impatience as a terrible evil and sin. Notice what it says in verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge... The capital J, judge, is standing at the door. Oh, my. He's bringing in judgment day. He says that we will be condemned and judged for our impatience. Yes, condemned and judged for impatience. And here's why it's so serious, because every single day, in fact, almost every hour maybe for some of you, you're going to meet people who are frustrating you, disappointing you, and disillusioning you, and infuriating you, difficult circumstances and difficult people. You're going to be frustrated and disappointed every day with something or with someone. And when that happens, you have to respond in your heart. There's only one of two ways to respond when disappointments happen. Either you can trust God or you can trust in yourself. You can respond to the difficulty either by trusting God or either trusting in yourself. And the first way you can respond is you can trust God. And that's what the Bible wants us to do. See, when bad things happen to you, here's what you need to say. You have to learn to say this. The Lord knows the Lord is wise and good. I would never have chosen this for myself, no, but he has. And he knows what he's doing and I don't. I think about Romans 8, 28, all things work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I think about God's sovereignty and providence. The pandemic didn't catch God off guard. He knows all the things that happens in your life, and yet he is for you and not against you. 
He is God, I'm not. He knows what he is doing. Impatience is a huge lack of humility. And you need to humble yourself and say, I don't know God, but God knows. God is God and I'm not. I'm going to find rest. Uh, I will find rest nowhere but in the center of his will. And that will is infinitely, immeasurably, unspeakably beyond the largest notions of what he's up to. I think... Listen, I think if you can speak that into your heart again and again and again, you'll get calm, peace, and joy. Isn't it ironic that I think a lot of people who call themselves believers, you have salvation in Christ. The best is yet to come in Christ. You have the Savior of the world in you, and yet there's such a lack of joy and peace. I'm not saying you should fake it till you make it, like come, come to church with a smile all the time when like, you know, someone you love is hurt or you've lost your job and say, oh, I'm, I'm doing great, I'm doing great. No, don't put a mask on your face. Be real, be genuine and run to community so they can surround you with prayer and do life together with you and help you through hard times. But there is a, a real sense of a lack of joy and peace. But the Bible says that you can have joy and peace and calmness even in the midst of a hard time in your life. Whether you're dealing with a difficult circumstance or you're dealing with a hard, difficult person in your life. It's because we are looking at ourselves instead of looking at God. We're trusting in ourselves instead of trusting in God and what he says to us. The other thing you can do when bad things happen, again, is instead of trusting God, you can trust in your own wisdom. Instead of trusting God and his wisdom, you trust what you think should happen and what you think everybody deserves. You can trust your wisdom in it rather than in God's wisdom. And if you learn, though, to be patient and to trust God, it eventually leads to rest, calm, peace, ability to forgive and to let go. But if you trust if you give in to self-trust, I find that you become eaten up with resentment, self-pity, cynicism, anxiety, restlessness, ulcers, and maybe even a heart attack. I mean, trust me, this message, I mean, the, the whole series is what's on my heart, and I've been thinking about this. This is on my heart because I suck at this. People think, I mean, I've tricked a lot of people thinking, oh, Justin is like the most kindest and most patient person in the world. You can ask my wife and my kids and they would say, heck no. And I am just full disclosure. I want to tell you, this is a message not for you first. It's firstly for me. This is on my heart. This is on my heart. I was saying, I'm so impatient with my kids. And my daughter Tabitha was like, mm-hmm, amen, yeah. You know, she was shaking her head because she was in total agreement because, Dad, you're not patient with us. And she's right. That's the reason why I've got no hair. <laughs> I can feel the pollicles, pollicles just falling off, follicles falling off, not pollicles, follicles <laughs> falling off my hair, uh, off of my head because anxiety and stress. You know, at the end of this month, uh, um, I've had some health issues and going in for like a, an endoscopy, not a colonoscopy, but endoscopy, which I prefer over the colonoscopy, but uh, it's because I had an ulcer for like several months and I didn't even know why my stomach was going crazy. And my doctor said, it's because you're not dealing with your stress well. And I had to check my heart and is there 
things? Is there unforgiveness, resentment? What is causing this in me? And the Lord began to remove idols and unforgiveness and sin in my heart. Oh, I'm impatient. But don't give yourself a pass because you think you're patient and you realize the more you look at your heart and the more you respond and you react to situations in your life or the people in your life, you will find yourself to be lacking patience. So friends, how do we develop this? This is the second thing I want you to consider, the development of patience. So we see what the Bible says a little bit more, what patience looks like. So how do we develop, how do we grow in patience? Because you, you can't just will this, like, oh, I'm going to will myself to be patient. And I'm telling you, that's not how you grow in patience. And you can't, there's no like pills for you to take. You can't do a surgery. You can't grow in patience just automatically. And here's where I think the Bible really helps us even more into development of patience. Number one, you have to meditate on what Jesus has done in the past. You have to meditate on what Jesus has done for you in the past. And this is incredible for me because if you see how patience is developed, what the Bible is saying is that you have to look at the cross and to remind yourself because we often get spiritual amnesia. We need to remind ourselves and remember deeply, to meditate deeply on Jesus again and again. So for example, look at Job. And also look at the, but not just at Job, because the Bible is telling us, look at the ultimate Job, the better Job, the one to whom Job points to, because Job was a good guy, but he wasn't perfect. He wasn't sinless. There's a better Job, and that, that better person is Jesus, who is a better Job. He's our example. And so Job suffered, but he wasn't fully innocent, because you see, Jesus is the true and the better Job. When Job failed, Christ prevailed because Jesus and Jesus alone was the only absolutely perfectly innocent sufferer. And so sometimes we get paper cuts or something goes wrong in our lives and we complain and we're upset at God because we feel entitled to blessings. We feel entitled that God needs to do something for us. When in fact, the Bible says that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. It's talking now about the depravity of men. And if you don't believe that, think about, just look at a three-year-old child. If you look at any three-year-old child, they are depraved. Or even more, look at your own soul. Look at your own heart. You realize something is not right. And we're so busy pointing the finger at everyone else when we need to point the finger back at ourselves and to realize that we are our own worst problem. And the Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. So every morning when we wake up and we are alive, we should be amazed by the grace of God that we are even alive because we're not entitled to a single breath that comes out of us. And see, Jesus, it's all because of Jesus. Jesus lived the life that you could not live. He lived a perfect life and was totally innocent. Only Jesus loved the Lord with all of his heart, soul, strength, and mind. And only Jesus loved his neighbor as himself fully and perfectly. And only Jesus deserved a great life. But he got a terrible one. He took our punishment and became sin for us. He died the horrible death that we deserved. 
He was misunderstood, poor, rejected, betrayed, denied. And finally, he was arrested for false charges, tortured, and killed. But through all of that agony and pain, think about this, friends. He was perfectly patient. Because if I was in his shoes and I would not deal with that. I would be like, okay, I've got my legions of angels on standby. And at the first finger pointing by Pilate, I'd be like, uh-uh. And this ain't happening. Okay, legions come down. Let's just destroy everybody on earth. Let's start over on planet Jupiter. Okay, I am taking this, right? Or I'd be like, Pilate, who do you think you are? Okay, i point the finger and he would turn into a horse. And I would say, you're next, right? Everybody would be like, oh, I'm not touching this, right? But why did he go to the cross? Why did he go to the road of Golgotha and put himself upon the killing tree so that his lifeblood could be spilled down? Why did he do that? Because think about it. Jesus was the only one who was perfectly sinless. He took our punishment, became sinful. He died the horrible death that we deserved. Jesus was the only innocent sufferer. We deserve suffering according to the Bible. We deserve to be separated from the king of love. And Jesus is a true Job, though, who really deserved a great life and got a terrible life. And during the whole time, he was perfectly and absolutely patient. You might say, all the forces of darkness, evil, and hell was coming down on him. And he stood hyperstanding his ground. He stood his ground. I mean, we faced the pandemic. Jesus faced the wrath, the righteous wrath of God. And yet again, he's innocent. It's almost like he knew. He knew that we were behind him. He knew that, that if darkness and evil and sin got past him, then we would be lost. And oh, how lost we would be, how blind we would be, how unsaved we would be. If it wasn't for Jesus, hyperstanding, if you will, on that cross, being perfectly patient on behalf of us. And so he obeyed. He said, not my will, but your will be done. That's patience. He stood his ground, hyperstanding. He went to the cross and obeyed his father. And on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's not a defiant complaint. That's just an agony of lost love. He's not grumbling there. Why did he do it? Why was he perfectly patient? When Jesus went to the cross, he died for our sins and took the punishment that we deserve. Let me flesh that out even more specifically. Jesus through his perfect patience, atoned for our impatience so that the Father can be endlessly patient with us, never giving up on us, letting us down, or pulling us back, even when we fail him. I mean, think about this. You say, okay, Justin, you don't get it. I've got some difficult people in my life. I mean, you... Do you think you're not a difficult person in Jesus' life? When God looked at you, when he saved you, if you are a Christian this morning, did he not know ahead of time that you were not going to be faithful all the time? 
When I gave my life to Jesus Christ as a youngster, God knew beforehand that years to come that I would fail God miserably, sinning again and again, being unfaithful, which is transliteration of being, uh, uh, being unfaithful is being, uh, committing adultery spiritually with God the Father. See, we are difficult people. And yet, think about this. God, in his perfect patience, loves us because his son was patient on the cross for us. How many times have I been impatient? You talk about long-suffering. You look at Jesus. Talk about holding his ground, even when all the forces of darkness were coming down on him. You take that and you meditate, you chew on that and you taste it. Oh, it's so delicious. It's gospel-licious. It's so good. And you meditate. And so when troubles are happening to you, think about that. Jesus was perfectly patient. And he did it for me so that I could be patient in these situations for him. And if you see Jesus saving you through his infinite patience and undeserving suffering, the true and ultimate Job who is Christ, and that through his perfect patience atone for your impatience so that God can be infinitely patient with you to the end, no matter how you live, even when you fall down, you can grow in patience. Because even after you, you go home, you can say, okay, I, I like what Pastor Joseph said. I'm gonna grow in patience. And then someone cuts you off the road, you can give them the thumb, you know? <laughs> I'm patient, you know? And like, you know, give you the thumb. I, good job, you know? And, and then like, but I'm telling you, you can try to be patient all you want, but there's gonna come a time when you're gonna be impatient. It's gonna show in your relationship. It's gonna show when tough times come. But even then, don't you know that God will not pull away from you? He will love you to the very end because he is patient with you because his son was patient with you even when we are impatient. So when we are impatient, and we will be impatient, friends, God the Father says, you are still my son and my daughter. I love you forever and a day. And when you think about that, that should encourage us. That should strengthen us. That should empower us to be patient in difficult times. You look at what Jesus has done for us in the past. And let me end with the second thing is you meditate on what Jesus is going to do in the future. Everything is about Jesus, friends. It's all about Christ. There's a singular meta-narrative throughout Genesis and Revelation. The Old Testament points to the coming of the Savior, the Messiah, that's Jesus Christ. The New Testament points back to what Jesus has done, who he is, and what he's done for us, his redemptive work. And so you fix your eyes on Christ and you stop looking at other things that that compromises you, that distracts you. So you look at Jesus in the past and you look at what Jesus has done in the future. That's how you develop patience. You meditate on Christ and he's coming again. That's what you got to remember. Be patient because the Lord is coming. That's an encouragement because we know here, we know how it's all going to end, right? You know, Seattle, I'm excited for you. Do you know why? The Kraken is here. That's the hockey team. Come on, guys. That's the hockey team. You know, one thing I got to do is I got to buy a, a, a Kraken t-shirt because I'm a big hockey fan. And so some of you might know that I'm a big hockey guy and my favorite team is the Washington Capitals because that's where I'm from in D.C. And they were always good, uh, sometimes the best team, but in the playoffs, they would choke. But one year, 2018, they've never won the Stanley Cup. But in 2018, the team were playing well in the playoffs, and then they won the second round to go to. They had never done that in a long time. 
But when the beginning of the third round came, this is my favorite play, Alex Ovechkin, O-V. Um, next to Jesus and my wife, maybe he's the one, you know? <laughs> but I had to go on a darn mission trip to Japan. I, 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 this true story, I had to um, take a mission trip to visit missionary Jessica Lee. Some of you know her uh, in Hiroshima. And I was trying to get out of, the way, get out of the, this trip. I was telling other pastors, can you go on this trip? Because I don't want to go. I want to watch the hockey series. But I was leading the team, so I took the team. And I was following the whole series because we were there for a while. And then they kept winning, and they were in the Stanley Cup Finals against the Vegas Golden Knights. And then they were in the last game, and they... And in the last game, if they won that game, they were going to win it all. And so, and, and then we had a ministry event, and our, one of our teammates was sharing a testimony, but I was getting anxious. So a bunch of uh, women with their babies came. So I said, hey, let me hold your baby, and I'll just kind of go out. So I'll watch her for you, you know? And true story, I know you can judge me. It's so embarrassing. I'm so ashamed. You know, and I, I take the baby outside, outside, and I was refreshing uh, my internet because I was trying to see what the score was. And when the Capitals won in the whole series, the last game, I started crying. I was, this is true, so I was, I couldn't hold myself. It's first championship for the state. I mean, you guys would cry if the, if the uh, Mariners ever won. Probably never going to happen, but if they ever won, you would be in tears of joy. Right? You'd be ripping shirt, ah, you know, going crazy. I know you guys. But I was like, joy, and like my teammates were like, oh, he was so touched, moved by the, no, I told him, the caps won, caps won. And my whole teammate was like judging me, but I don't care. But then, and here's the thing, before I left, I had this thing called YouTube TV, and I pre-recorded all the games that I was going to miss. And so when I got home, I re-watched all the games that I missed. I rewatched, and I was like, you got, you, my wife could testify. I was sitting there with popcorn, and when, when, when the Caps lost a game or when they got behind in a game, you know, normally I'd be like so stressed, so anxious, but I'd be like, no problem, man. This is great. I was like, woohoo. You know, I was like, this is fun, you know, because here's the thing. I could withstand the difficulty and the tension in the middle of the games, in the middle of these series, because I already had peace regarding the outcome. And the ending, I already knew. See, God tells you in the end, he's going to come back and heal the whole world. In verses 7 and 8, until the coming of the Lord. He says it twice. Until the coming of the Lord. He's going to resurrect you from the dead and make everything right. If you trust in him, all the deepest desires of your heart will be fulfilled on that day. Every injustice will be put to right. And when you consider the past and what Jesus has done for you, and you consider the future and what he will do for you, and when there is a difficult person that comes into your life or when you find yourself in a hard place, and I don't want to minimize the hard things that people go through. Some of you are going into it now. Some of you are in it now. And some of you are maybe coming out of a season like that. You can grow. And you can be patient, knowing how things will end. He tells you the ending of the novel, the ending of the story, the ending of it all, so that you can handle the suspense in the middle part. It's tough, yes, difficult, yes, but you know in the end, justice will be done and you will be fulfilled. And that's the reason why he says, be patient, because the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming.
pray with me? Lord, such a practical message. But I think it's needed for us to hear this because it empowers us through difficult seasons, empowers us to love difficult people. I think all of us, if we're really honest of ourselves, honest with ourselves, we would acknowledge that we're not patient in our relationships, in our family lives, friendships, coworkers. And then when difficult times come, we acknowledge, Lord, that we often make mistakes and compromise. We're not the person that you want us to be. Father, we pray by your grace, help us to respond to this word. May your word go deep inside of our hearts, take root and bear fruit. And may we, Lord, live our lives with you in the center, giving you glory. We thank you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you for the encouraging message, Pastor Justin. Um, I love that. I love that God already knows the ending of how our stories go. He has all the things in his plans. And um, for because of that, we can put our trust in him. We don't have to be anxious, but we can patiently wait on the Lord to give us patience in all these different circumstances. Well, if today's message is something that encourages you and maybe challenges you to take that next step in faith, we want to walk with you. Walk with someone in this journey of faith. All you have to do is text NLF Baptism to 94090 and our staff will be in touch with you about how we can continue to grow uh, as believers in Christ. Uh, before uh, Pastor Justin comes to give the commission, uh, I, I have a few announcements for us is that the first is that we are doing a New Life 101 class. And what New Life 101 is about is really a chance to get to know our church a little better, uh, to know our vision, our mission, our values, and really where we're headed as a community. Whether you're new to New Life and you want to just know a little bit more about who we are, or maybe you've been a part of our church and you want to see if uh, membership is something that you want to uh, go with us in. And so this class class is happening on Saturdays. There is childcare provided on some weeks, but breakfast and lunch is always provided. I encourage you to sign up. Please visit seattlenewlife.org for more information. And the class is just a one-time thing, but it'll be a great chance to help you to grow uh, as a member of our community next in our announcements is if you're if you're a family that's new to new life or looking for just other families to connect with we are having a new families lunch uh, on august 22nd from 12 to 2 it'll be a chance to meet pastor joyce who's our children's ministry pastor as well as other new families that's been coming in and some of our staff so we would love to meet you if you're new and looking to get a little more plugged into our church last but not least we're having the last of our uh, work party or our outreach uh, over the summer and this is the YWAM work party that will happen on August 28th on Saturday from 9 to 1 we're going to be going out to Monroe and there's a missions base there and doing some yard work and just blessing the community there and so whether you've volunteered in the past or you haven't before everyone's welcome this is for all families and so we're looking for more people to sign up and lunch of course will be provided and you can meet some great folks while you're doing that so the information can be found on our seattlenewlife.org 
website. All right, that's it for, for me for announcements. I'm going to invite Pastor Justin to come here to give us the final word, benediction, and to just bless us in this service. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Pray that, Lord, indeed, your Holy Spirit would do that work that only you can do. Help us to grow and bear fruit. And may we grow in patience for your glory, God. So thankful for your grace in, in our lives, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, indeed, that you would help new life to grow and bless us, Lord. We thank you. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and love of God the Father Almighty and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you guys.